Well, good morning. Um, if we have not met yet, my name is Natalia. I'm one of the pastors here at E, and we are so glad that you're here this morning or joining on live stream. As Mikhail kind of introduced us into this, I just want to acknowledge that this season is unanimously one of the most overwhelming and intense seasons of the year. Would you agree with that? Right? Like, we've got, like, Thanksgiving, Christmas, man, all you parents, you just finished, like, get back to school, sports might be, like, winding down, you're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. And then there's Thanksgiving, and you're hosting, and you have family, or maybe you're going somewhere. It's intense. It's really intense, right? Um, we also have those Black Friday ads telling us about the Apple products or juicers on sale this week. <laughs> or is that just me? We're in the market for a good juicer. I hope you're listening, Siri. Just realized I could actually turn Siri on like that. I shouldn't do that. Anyway, have you seen those TikToks or Reels or, um, you know, Facebook videos where there's like a husband or a wife or a child who whispers their Christmas list items into their loved one's phones or like searches them secretly in hopes that mysteriously, <laughs> mysteriously, their loved one will get ads, targeted ads or sponsored posts, right, about these things and the sales and the great deals this week. Wow, what? Can you imagine? Seriously, though, we're looking for a juicer. <laughs> Before we dive in this morning, I want us to pause for a moment and do a quick exercise together. Not like a physical exercise, but a mental exercise. Actually, an emotional check-in. This might be something new or even uncomfortable for you, and I want to thank each of you for taking a minute to pause and press in with me. So I'm going to ask you all to close your eyes, and some music will be playing softly in the background for the next couple of minutes. Father, we invite you into this morning, into this moment, as we press in and discover what emotions and needs are sitting in the harbor of our lives, waiting for us to beckon them in to be docked and cared for. Would you help us pause in this moment to listen to our bodies and minds in your spirit. Amen. With our eyes closed, we're going to start by listening to our body. Take a deep breath. What do you notice in your body? How does your body feel right now? How did it feel when you woke up this morning? Scan your body from your toes to your head. Are you sore? Is there a place in your body that is holding tension? How do your shoulders feel? How does your head, forehead, temples feel? Does your head feel like it's pulsing or spinning or foggy? Is your heart beating fast? Or are you tired and weary? Maybe there's an area of your body that is tense or sore from carrying more than just a physical burden. What have you been laboring over that your body is reminding you of? What burden or anxiety have you been spending days, weeks, months, or maybe even years pushing away. Our bodies keep the score of our experiences. 
Are there any grief lines in the season of your life? What were the holidays like one year ago? What did the season hold for you two years ago, five years ago? Maybe you lost a loved one, or a fur baby, or a human baby. Maybe you lost a job, or a friend, or a dream. Even when we're not consciously aware, our bodies remind us year after year what we have experienced. What are you feeling right now? In your mind? In your heart? In your spirit? Is there something weighty? Is there something joyful? Give yourself a moment to sit in this feeling. Oftentimes, when we stop to feel what our body and spirit have been nagging at us, it brings up blips of memories. Some good, some bad, some neutral. Let yourself sit, observe, and feel as each of these memories pass you by. When you're ready, we're going to take this emotion into our hands, and you can hold your hands out in front of you if this helps you visualize it. We're gonna take this emotion into our hands, turn to Jesus and say, now I'm gonna hand this to you. If there's something you want me to do with it, let me know. If not, I trust you with it. What do you notice in your body as you hand these things over? Is there a sense of relief, of curiosity without having to have the answers? Let's take a last deep breath together. Father, we entrust the battles, burdens, and joys of our heart to you. Amen. You may open your eyes. Well, I wanna thank you for taking a couple of minutes to hold space for yourself and for others. What was that like for you? I don't know about you, but I can find it difficult to listen to a sermon or sometimes even worship when I walk into this building feeling the weight of life or the list of tasks or the plans just running through my head for the day. Well, one day, back in the day, can a 25-year-old say back in the day? Is that okay? <laughs> well, back in the day when I um, got to serve as our kids' ministry assistant with our kids' pastor, Kim, I had a particularly stressful and task-filled day. It was intense. We were getting ready for an event. We go hard in kids' ministry. And this was also in the first three months of working with Kim. And if you haven't met Kim, I mean, you got to see her on stage this morning. She is fun. And you guys, she prioritizes and loves to make memories with kids. So Kim was going to be teaching in Surge, our first through fourth grade class, that Sunday. And she let me know that she needed to test a game in advance in order to make sure that, like, everything worked. And Kim is amazing, and our kids' ministry is amazing in this way. They plan everything in advance. They test everything in advance just to make sure that it's going to be a blast for our kids. And so, you know, of course, uh, eager to please and to help, I said, yeah, of course, Kim, I'll help you. Uh, what do you need? 
So she was like, okay, stand right here. And I was like, okay, this isn't very hard yet. What's next? She goes, so stand still. Um, and then she puts her finger on my head holding an Alka-Seltzer under her finger and then straps it on with a rubber band. And then she said, oh, oh, and then we put on goggles. Necessary point. We put on goggles. And then she said, okay, stay here. And so she backs away and goes across the kids' ministry office and then ducks down and appears with a Nerf water gun and squirts me across the room. And so, yes, this is the evidence of that day. She took that photo before the water was sprayed. After that, I had a great, like, red well on my forehead. We were testing a few questions, including, do Alka-Seltzer burn your forehead when you spray them across the room? <laughs> and does it leave a mark? The answer is yes, it leaves a mark. I went to um, my night classes that evening with all those other awesome college students, and they were like, are you okay? What have you been doing today? Well, I didn't know that's what she needed help with when I agreed to it, but that activity testing really pulled me out of the stress of the day, the intensity, the tasks, everything, and it reminded me of what mattered most, which is serving kids and making memories with them. Well, this morning, we are going to conclude our series we've been journeying together called Abundance, Living in the Overflow. Last week, Ilsean taught about overflowing in generosity. And two weeks ago, Carlos taught about overflowing in acts of service and doing good and shifting from a scarcity mentality to a surplus mindset, a mindset that says, God has more than I will ever need, and he will never run out. In this season where life feels like a lot, I've been needing to hear these messages about shifting our mindset, our posture, and even our planning to live out of the overflow, not out of what's left over. Do you ever feel that way when someone's asking you, hey, can you come do this? Hey, can you come with me? Hey, can you do a meal train? Hey, can your kid do this? You're like, whoa, I don't have anything to give. I don't have time. I don't have, you know, whatever the need is. And so in this series, we're hoping to take steps together to figure out how can we live out of the overflow of our lives, out of the overflow of God. And today, we're going to settle in to the topic of overflowing with gratitude. And I want to start by sharing a difficult personal story with you, a story of loss. Uh, some of you who have walked with um, me and Braden through life maybe know some of this story. Two and a half years ago, I called my mental health care line and admitted that I needed help. I told the triage counselor that I was finding it hard to get out of bed in the morning. That was hard to admit, right? We all, we have, we have Jesus, we have good things, but that was the truth. I had very little motivation or feeling of reason to get out of the bed in the morning. And every day that I woke to the dark winter sky outside, I was thrust right back to the morning that I received the news that my brother had died. The cool, dark, quiet organ mornings used to be my place of peace and refuge. It was my quiet time with coffee, with Jesus, and with my cat. It was so good. <laughs> it was a time where I could pour my heart out, my worries, my joy, my fear. It was good. It was a time that anchored me each day and made me feel like, okay, everything is right. I've got this. I can face the day. I've laid all of these burdens away, right? And I kind of felt like I could be in control of my day, too. That was probably a facade. But anyway, in December 2019, a couple of months before the pandemic, 
I woke to a call at 5 a.m., uh, a call from my mom, her voice shaking with shock and devastation, informing me that my brother had died in the dead of the night. He died in my childhood home, in my childhood bedroom, from a drug overdose. My beautiful, joyful, exuberant, silly, bear-hugged, wonderful brother was gone. And this carefree personality, this brother of mine, he died carrying more burdens than I will ever know. And I wish I knew. And no dark morning has been the same. It's been nearly three years. So when I called the triage counselor three months later, realizing how desperately I needed help, they assured me that they would be working on finding a trauma therapist. But in the meantime, they cared for me through triage therapy. And on that phone call, the therapist said, okay, Natalia, I want you to do one thing, one thing for the next two to three weeks while we get you a placement. I want you to write down five things you're grateful for each morning and be specific. Not just, I am grateful for my cat, but I am grateful for my cat because he is lovely and sweet and warm and he reminds me that I'm not alone and petting him helps me to feel calm. So these specific things, right? Cautiously, skeptically, I agreed, wondering how in the world, honestly, how could this make me feel any better than an hour with Jesus every morning? An hour that I spent crying out to Jesus to just take my pain away, to help me live again. To my gratitude and disbelief, it worked. And trauma therapy worked. And when I say worked, I, I want you to know that I'm not fixed. Our response, or our experiences shape who we are, and I wouldn't change that for the world. I don't wanna be fixed. I just wanna be able to be present. What I love about gratitude is that it's not just a Jesus thing. It's what a pastor Andy Stanley calls a thing thing. Like, if you're here, you're new here, you got dragged here, you didn't want to be here, you didn't plan to be here, any of those things, you're not sure about the Jesus thing or the God thing or the church thing or what is this Bible and how do I read it and why are there these and those? I'm super confused. If you're not sure about any of this, I just want to encourage you that you're in the right place this morning. No matter how you got here, you're in the right place this morning. And the good news is this gratitude thing has something to offer every one of us. What was it that came to mind for you when we did the mindfulness exercise at the start of service? Was it that your mind, what is it that your mind and your body are reminding you of? Maybe it was something that happened in the past. Perhaps it's a present struggle, or it could even be a future fear. One thing that surprised me as I prepared for our time together this morning is just how many times throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament that leaders, disciples, and even Jesus modeled the importance of gratitude. They wrote to leaders or spoke to an audience and taught their listeners the utter importance of gratitude. When I look at the Hebrew and Greek words for gratitude in the Bible, we discover that there are a variety of words for thankfulness and for gratitude in the way that there are different words for the different kinds of love in Greek, right? One example, the first example I'd like to share is eucharisteros. It is a word that is used when thanks was given to God before a meal was broken. 
So like in the New Testament, when Jesus uh, broke a few loaves of bread or passed a basket of a few fish and it fed thousands, right? Far more people than it should have. This is the kind of thanks they gave to God for this miraculous work. The next word is euheristero, which really means thankful for God's good grace. And there are many other words like this that express thankfulness and gratitude in the Bible. But what was so cool about each and every one of them is that these words of gratitude have God's name knit right into them, just like that word euheristero did, thankful for God's good grace. There are Bible verses about gratitude all throughout the Bible. They saturate it, just like the theme of and conviction to love others. And we have a side with just a few of them. You've probably read them all throughout the Bible. There are so many. And it seems to me that loving others well and loving God well and being reconciled to God and the people around us may be intrinsically linked with gratitude and what gratitude does to us. Two verses have hung in my mind and challenged my heart as we have communally walked the last three wild, crazy, ridiculous years together, right? And the first one I want to share is 1 Thessalonians 5.17, which says, Be thankful in all circumstances, for it is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Or this translation of the same verse that says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. These words that we just read were written by Paul, a leader in the early church after Jesus' death. Paul was no stranger to difficulties in life, you guys, and went on to face and embrace incredible trials, things we never want to imagine in his life, primarily brought on because of his leadership in the church and his faith. And so when we read these words, be thankful in all circumstances, and we're like, how? This is hard, right? We know that at least in this case from Paul, they came from someone who intimately knew the pain of loss, judgment, and would ultimately sacrifice his life for the faith. What absolutely boggles my mind, you guys, is that in the midst of not only the good, but the bad, like the stinky, rotten, really bad, bad, God's will for us is to be grateful. Many of us find ourselves praying, as Jesus did, not my will, God, but your will be done. What is that will of his? What is that will that we're praying for? His will is for us to be grateful, to pause and understand what a gift life is, even in the trials. In Colossians 2, 6, we read, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus, our Lord, continue to live in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Overflowing. That's what we've been talking about in this series, right? What it looks like to live out of the overflow, the abundance of God, not out of what's left over in, in our lives, in our daily lives, right? Many of you have heard, maybe even read, or sang this one. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is gratitude. These words, let us rejoice and be glad in it, are words that say, let us rejoice and be glad in today. Let's be grateful for today, whatever today looks like. In a variety of contexts, this appears again and again. And as we turn the pages of the Bible, reading the story of history and of humankind, we see over and over that gratitude is key to our well-being 
and it is how we are guided to live a lifestyle rather than just an action. So why is it that we give thanks? Well, there are a couple of clues, a couple of verses that um, can help tell us why we give thanks, and some of them we'll look at are in 1 Corinthians. The first is, um, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. That was a little bit wordy, but basically what we're saying is we give thanks because of what God has done for us through Jesus. Because he made the ultimate sacrifice, experienced the greatest loss to wash away our sins so that we can live freely and receive forgiveness. And as we see through Revelation 4.9, we also practice gratitude because it honors God. The words of worship that we sing each Sunday or in our cars are words of thanks. And maybe you've felt this before where you sing and you feel, oh, I can breathe a little bit easier. There's a weight lifted. I feel like I'm not alone in this. So how do we become people who live in gratitude? Even when real life happens and life is not easy. The first thing I want to suggest is changing our self-talk. We are who we tell ourselves we are. So if we tell ourselves, I'm a healthy person, then we are more likely to eat foods that nourish our body and move our body. So likewise, let's tell ourselves, I am a grateful person, and we can begin shifting our perspective of who we are, and it will change who we are. Self-talk is key to forming and reforming who we are. The second thing I'd like to suggest is practicing daily gratitude or a gratitude inventory. Each day, perhaps before your feet hit the ground, consider stopping and naming five things you're grateful for, like my therapist encouraged me to. Five specific things. You can also make this part of your devotional time or a quiet moment with Jesus before you get um, out of bed, or you can make it a note on your phone or on a notepad next to you while you're eating breakfast each day. There's no right or wrong way to do this, but let's start somewhere. The cool thing about gratitude is that we have extensive research, not only in the field of psychology, but in science, in neuroscience, that shows the effect that gratitude has on the brain and also the body. Gratitude alters the, pre, uh, the, pre, the medial prefrontal cortex, the area of the brain that is responsible for managing negative emotions. And it has been found in those who experience depression or a lot of us in Oregon who are lacking the sunshine right now, <laughs> that the medial prefrontal cortex exerts more control over the rest of the brain. But we can change how we think with gratitude. These changes of thinking create and activate new neural pathways. They assist with hormone regulation, especially those happy hormones like serotonin, dopamine, and oxytocin. And they help us cognitively restructure our thoughts to better manage our circumstances. This reminds me of a freshly repaved road. The more that we do something or think about something, the smoother it is to drive on that road. And likewise, the more consistently or frequently that we practice gratitude, the stronger and faster these pathways become in our brains. You've probably seen or heard this described as like the, the synopsis in your brain, right? The, when we start, it's slow, but the more that we do it, it's going to be faster and faster and faster until it's faster than I can snap. But it happens in an instant, right? There is research that shows if you name five things that you are grateful for each day before your feet hit the ground, 
or send a message to a loved one, a message of appreciation to start your day, you will feel happier and more grateful throughout the day. The same study shows that even trying to think of things that you're grateful for and being unsuccessful, it might be a really bad day or season and you're like, I, I, I'm coming up with nothing. But even trying to come up with things that you're grateful for also changes the chemistry of your brain. Last week, Ilsian shared some research that shows how generosity alters the brain. And I love this series of talks about the overflow because I think it's so cool that this topic has a lot of evidence across people, cultures, the Bible, and science to support this. The third thing I want to suggest we try is worship. Our minds are greatly influenced by our bodies. Have you ever come in on a Sunday morning and just not felt like you were ready to worship. You didn't want to, or your, your heart wasn't ready, or found it hard to lift your hands in praise, right? The next time that happens, I want to encourage you to start singing or raise your hands in praise, because our actions can lead the way for our brain. Part of gratitude is acknowledging where we're at and where we've been not trying to be somewhere else or someone else or have a different life, but just acknowledging where, where God has been in that. So gratitude is sitting with Jesus right where we're at, in the mess or in the beauty of this moment, and thanking him for where he's already shown up in our lives. Gratitude is fixing our eyes on where we've been blessed. That's why we did the mindfulness exercise together at the start of this morning. It is hard to see what's in front of us or even the good things in our past when anxiety, stress, fear, and grief are all vying for our attention. Gratitude is what protects us from hungering for more than we need or losing trust in God's provision. So coming into the season of holidays, right, with the beauty and maybe a smidge of stress, more than a smidge, I don't know, <laughs> I want to invite you to imagine what your life could be like if you started each day with some kind of gratitude inventory. Perhaps you could find yourself happier, more grateful, maybe less stressed about finances or starting Christmas shopping or all of the things that are on our minds. And maybe you'd be more focused on where God has provided for you already. What if you allowed yourself to show gratitude to others each day? Send a message to a loved one or a note of appreciation to a boss or a coworker. What would it feel like if your spouse treated you and expressed this kind of gratitude for you? Or loved one. What, would it, what if you modeled this kind of gratitude to your children? and then you got to receive and experience that in time. How would your relationships at work or in your community look if you led into this week with this kind of gratitude instead of grumbling or being distracted and hyper-focusing on Black Friday strategies and finding the best juicer if you're like me? <laughs> As I head into the holidays, I'm reminded that I can only do so much. I can't make my family complete. I cannot change the past. But we can stop and be grateful for what and for who 
we have. Let's pray together. Father, I just want to thank you for this time together this morning. And I pray that as we are walking into this season that is full of a lot, a lot of good and a lot of hard, and a season that also um, may be full of memories, memories of loss, of brokenness, of broken um, relationships, of estranged family members, of people who um, have passed away or moved away, or relationship and circumstances that have changed and hurt us, God. I just pray that you will seep into each of these cracked and broken places in our spirit and our soul and even our body, God, that your peace and your comfort would be near to us as we walk through these days and that you would help us to find joy, to find joy, to seek it out, to make a habit of it, God, to find joy in the ways that you have blessed us, to stop and to be grateful for the ways that you have provided for us. God, I just want to pray um, and make an invitation. If there is anyone here who is new to this Jesus thing and is feeling like, I might want to start this. I might want to say yes. I'm curious to know more, and I maybe find it confusing, but I feel something stirring in my heart. And man, I want to walk into this holiday season feeling this, this wholeness, not emptiness or loss. Just want to make an invitation to any of you who want to say yes to Jesus for the first time that while everyone's eyes are closed that you can look up with me we'll make eye contact and agree in this decision that you're making decision to not walk alone into these holidays God I just thank you for each of the people in this room and I pray that as we walk into this season of good and of challenge that you will fill the broken places in our lives with your goodness. And God, I just pray too that we will be reminded um, and freed to feel like we don't have to look for, for completion in other places. You are the one thing that can make us whole. No distraction or entertainment or planning or Black Friday strategy is gonna give us what you give us or make us feel the way you make us feel. So God, we just thank you for that. And I pray that you will be so present in the lives of everyone in this room today as we're walking into this season of celebration. I pray that you will help us to do that, to celebrate no matter what we face. And we know no matter what we face, you're with us as we process the hard and celebrate the good.